What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Tigers. This week, it'd be really easy to get wrapped up in the negative side of things going on here at Clemson University Athletics, but we're going to do our best to cover both sides as there's a lot going on on both sides of the spectrum, a lot of positive and a lot of negative. Uh, We're going to start off talking about basketball, and then we're going to get into um, basically everything else after that. So uh, buckle up, guys, because it's going to be a great episode. Um, With that being said, let's put our chips all in and run down the hill. That's right, everybody. We are back with another episode. I am your host, Thomas Woods, joined by my lovely co-host, Mike Spinelli. Mike, how are you doing? Um, Hello, everybody. Um, It's nice to be back. Um, No long hiatus this time. Back in a week, um, like we have promised in the past, we have trouble keeping up with that sometimes. But how I am, um, ready for spring break next week. Not going to lie. Yeah, I think a lot of Clemson students are in that same boat. Spring break coming up is definitely a really exciting thing going on. A lot of buzz all around campus for spring break just to happen. Uh, we had some lovely weather recently that just kind of got, got everybody prepped for that. And it's going to be a good break away from school and not having to worry about uh, classes and exams and all that kind of stuff. Yes, totally. Um, well-deserved break. And I mean, when we get back, it's only about a month left. You know, home stretch, all of April is going to be a grind, but, you know, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're a Clemson sports podcast, not a Clemson students podcast. <laughs> For sure. So uh, getting right into it, um, a lot of controversy right now, not only uh, at Clemson and among Clemson fans, but really across the country. Um if you don't know, for some reason, and you're listening to this podcast, Clemson basketball did not make the NCAA men's tournament. Um, they had a great resume. Uh, I felt like, I know Mike feels the same way. They were third best team in the ACC. And so um, going into, they're going to play in the NIT now. Going into that, uh, have a record of 23 and 10 and, and finished in the semifinal in, in the ACC tournament. So uh, a, a great season from them. And, and yet here we are talking about how they didn't make the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I keep trying to play both sides of this. Um, in my opinion, the goods outweigh the bads that Clemson went through. And just some of the teams that got put in over them, I mean, Clemson beat NC State three times in three different locations by double digits each time. They beat Pitt, who made the tournament, and then Pitt then got down, got trounced by Duke in the ACC tournament, who Clemson also beat, as in Duke. Um, and it's, I want to say this is the best team left out of the tournament in recent memory in terms of all of college basketball, not just Clemson sports or Clemson basketball. And uh, I don't want to say mind-boggling because I could see why Clemson's left out. I just, I just, I really just don't agree whether it was Clemson or not. I personally believe, and I tweeted this out the other day, that if Clemson had, you know, the name Carolina next to them or the name Duke next to them, they'd be playing, you know, this week on Thursday. But unfortunately, they don't. They get left out and get to play in the NIT. Yeah, and not just Duke or Carolina. I want to, I want to point out. I think that if Clemson was in the Big Ten right now, they'd also be in the Big Ten. Has so many teams that have, in my opinion, worse resumes, um, including a, a team like Penn State. Who, yes, they made the they made the Big Ten championship game, but throughout the season, Clemson was the better team. Uh, Penn State was the ten seed in that tournament, and and Clemson beat Penn State head to head across teams that made the tournament and were on the bubble. Clemson had a well above five hundred record, um, and so. I think despite those losses that were bad, I mean, three net 300 losses is nothing uh, to brag about. That is really just abysmal um, to say the least. But I think what I kept hearing was look at the full body of work. You look at the full body of work, um, seven and six in quad one, quad two games, three quad one wins away from home, um, four, four and over to the last four and four out. Um, And so it, it just felt like, Clemson wasn't given the chance they deserved. Um, I feel like a lot of those injuries or a lot of those games that we lost that were bad losses can can be chalked up to injuries almost where uh, sure that South Carolina loss was bad, but we're, we're getting P.J. Hall, our star player, really um, back from injury. He had surgery over the summer and he's still rehabbing. So the loss to South Carolina and Loyola Chicago, I feel like are 
mainly because he wasn't fully healthy yet. And I look at the, the loss to Wake Forest, our first ACC loss, without Chase Hunter there. Um, our loss to Boston College, which was a bad loss. We're without um, Brevin Galloway. And then I think about how how long Alex Hemingway was out. I mean, he was even out for the ACC tournament. Um, he, he was a guy that started at the beginning of the year for us. So we were without so many key players for these these games that we lost. Um, it, it feels like we didn't really get a chance. Whenever we were healthy, uh, we competed with the best of the best. We beat the ACC uh, tournament champ in, in Duke. And so, um, and, and we we only lost by four points to, to the team that was the regular season ACC champ in Miami. Um, it felt like Clemson was as deserving uh, as anybody else in, on the bubble from the ACC, especially NC State and Pitt. I feel like we're both bubble teams that made it over Clemson. Um, and I know head-to-head isn't the whole story. They look at, you know, all the metrics and and the, the net rankings and the Ken Palm and all that kind of stuff. They look at all of that. But when we're looking at teams with similar resumes, which Clemson, Pitt, NC State, similar resumes, all in the ACC, um, all – uh, on the bubble, so they're all getting looked at pretty similarly. Um, I think head-to-head starts to matter at some point, and um, because Clemson beat NC State three times on neutral site, home away didn't matter, beat Pitt at their place earlier in the year, um, it seems to me like head-to-head matters in some sense at that point whenever you're comparing similar resumes. Yeah, and aside from injuries and head-to-head and all that, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it forever, but that doesn't do anything. I mean, I kind of want to bring to light the conversation about the ACC all year. I mean, when critics and writers and reporters have been saying the ACC is weak all year and then choose to leave the third best team out according to regular season standings and then go deeper into that, and I think NC State was number six and Pitt was about number seven, if I'm not mistaken. It was five. Number five, sorry. It, It just doesn't make much sense to me because you can't say the conference is weak and then go so deep into the conference at that point. I mean, I, I, if you just told me that, you know, Miami, Duke, and Virginia were the only teams to make it out of the conference, I would, I would, you know, somewhat agree with you. Virginia just trounced Clemson by 20 points the other day in the ACC semifinals. And I, I, I would believe you. I would say, okay, the ACC might have been weak this year. Only three teams deserve to make it. And outside of the ACC, I mean, you saw, I think it's four Mountain West teams make it, which in years past, maybe I, I don't see how, how you know teams like Boise State, who's got about 10, 11 losses, makes it. Um, Utah State, I mean, yeah, they were good all season, but again, they're not a power six conference. And those conferences shouldn't be getting, you know, more than two, three teams, in my opinion, because how good are those teams on the big stage? I don't know. I'm not gonna sit here and say Clemson's the best team around, but I mean, I I if you're gonna hold them down for, you know, early season losses against like South Carolina and Loyola Chicago, you have to hold them to their early season wins as well against like Pitt, against Virginia Tech. Um, so I, I don't see why Clemson gets left out. I think they have a sh- very strong resume. It also bothered me that they were, I think, the the fourth team out of the first four out, which I, I get UNC beat us, but if we're not going off a of solely head-to-head, why are they above us? Because we were the better team all season. I don't know. I could ramble on and on. And I think that Clemson should have made the tournament. I think they deserved a chance. And we're sitting here, you know, one seed in the NIT. It'll be nice to win. But to be honest, who really cares? I mean, everyone calls the NIT the not in tournament tournament. So I I know that's not the actual name, but that's how many people see it, especially since, you know, that's not <laughs> that's not March, if that makes sense. You know, that's not what we watch in March. We watch the men's tournament you know yeah i i agree i mean since we're there go ahead and win it bring it home for the guys prove that we should have been in um but I, you know i kind of just look at some of these resumes and nc state's team that made it over us they have one quad one win um and, and we're and we're bashed for our out-of-conference schedule but i think about our out-of-conference schedule going into the year and we tried to make it a, a solid out-of-conference schedule we played a team like richmond who um, was in the tournament last year, Loyola Chicago has historically been one of the best teams in their conference. They had a down year this year. We can't help that. We can only put who we can put on our schedule. We can't change anything about that. And so South Carolina is a rival. We have to play them. We can't help how bad they did this season. Um, we put those teams on our schedule, and it, it was a weaker out-of-conference schedule. I, I can agree with that. Um, but you know what? We we didn't have, in my opinion, I think NC State's out-of-conference is weaker than ours. I know the teams they played are better, but they had all home games out-of-conference. They didn't play out-of-conference away. So, you know, the way I see it, 
what we should do next year is just schedule a bunch of really good teams in the out-of-conference. doesn't matter if we win or lose, but, I mean, they're saying our out-of-conference is the reason we didn't make it. So let's schedule, you know, a bunch of top 25 teams, lose to all of them, and then at least we have a tough out-of-conference schedule. I think their schedule is tougher, you know? It, it definitely makes sense. We won a lot of games. Um, we had the same amount of wins as NC State, a better conference record. We beat them three times head-to-head. -head. You compare us to Pitt, um, we had an extra extra win over them and one less loss, and we beat them head-to-head, -head, made it farther in the ACC tournament. Um, I don't really get the logic. Um, it, it's it's frustrating to say the least, um, but I, I definitely agree with you. Um, let's take on the NIT. Uh, hopefully our guys can take it home and try to prove something. It's I mean, since we're there, might as well go ahead and win it. Um, and, and teams that win the NIT usually, uh, it benefits the, the program in the future. So hopefully that, that's what happens this year. Yeah, and I just have a few more quick things that, you know, just popped into my mind. Um, one of them being, you know, the the good loss aspect. I feel like this is something that we talk about a lot in college football, too, at least me and Thomas. And I think, you know, the entire country talks about it. It sometimes seems like good losses are rewarded more than, you know, average wins, which I mean, a win's a win, in my opinion. I, obviously, a win against, you know, like a mid-major, like a, like a, I mean, Clemson didn't beat Loyola Chicago, but we'll say Richmond is better than, you know, any loss or, or is not as good as a win against a um, power five, excuse me, but you know, they still won that game. It's something to consider. And I, I think you're right. I think just scheduling, you know, like the powerhouses of college basketball, you know, might as well bring in Kansas, might as well bring in, you know, Alabama, Houston, um, Purdue, anyone in the Big Ten, it seems like, because, you know, they've got like a million teams in in the tournament right now, um, two of which Clemson played, which is going to lead into my next point. But uh, you might as well just have a terrible quad one record, you know, win a few of those games. Why not? And then you'll be rewarded because, oh, they played the big dogs. They could compete in the slightest. So and then my second point here, um, the out-of-conference schedule, yes, it was weak. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, South Carolina is not good. Loyola Chicago had a down year. Richmond isn't a world beater, even though they do make the tournament pretty frequently, if I'm not mistaken. But part of that out-of-conference schedule is the Big Ten ACC challenge. And Clemson beat, you know, the runners-up in, in the Big Ten in Penn, C uh, Penn State. And they also played Iowa, which I'm pretty sure they only lost by, you know, less than five points. I want to say it was two points, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I know that's in December or early January, whenever that is. But they still played two quality tournament teams. One of them they beat. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's with the ACC. Usually the ACC is, you know, kind of favored in basketball, I feel like, because of Duke teams like Duke, UNC, and Virginia, and even NC State. Um thanks, you know, to the big Jimmy V run back in like the eighties, but <laughs> it's this season for some reason, obviously in football, we hear it every year and I'm not going to talk about that because it's not football season, but in basketball, kind of the disrespect this year in the ACC. And I think it honestly solely has to do with Clemson being a pretty good team. I, I know we're never in that conversation to possibly win the conference. And I feel like since we were the ACC just didn't look as good to, you know, the outsider looking in. Yeah, it was Clemson and Pitt, I think, being towards the top. Yeah. Both of those teams were projected to be really bad, and both of them had great seasons. I think the other part of that is that Duke and UNC up until recently had down years. Duke obviously has made up for that, but UNC had a down year. And so um, whenever the top teams aren't the top teams, it's kind of easy to look at those and go, oh, maybe they're not good. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that ACC was getting undeserved hate for most of the year. Also part of that is probably that Louisville was so so bad. Um you know, Louisville being as bad as they were, and they're usually supposed to be a solid team, uh, obviously didn't help. And so I, I don't really know where the hate comes from, but I don't know why uh, a conference like the Big Ten isn't held to the same standard. Um, I look at all of their all of their teams that made the tournament, except for Purdue, had a uh, had more losses and a worse record overall than Clemson. Um, I know their out of conference might have been a little bit tougher, but you know, I look at the whole body of work, and and, and you know, whenever we're playing these bad out of conference games, we won most of them. Um, I know we talked about Loyola, Chicago, and, and South Carolina, and uh, Iowa are, are three out-of-conference losses. Iowa was a tournament team. Um, South Carolina had a very poor year, and that was one of our first games of the season. We lost by two points on basically a buzzer beater with our star player, P.J. Hall, uh, on, on a bad leg still. And then Loyola, Chicago, there's no excuse for that one. It was, it was terrible. So the out-of-conference was bad, but we had three out-of-conference losses, one to a good team, and then two that Iowa would chalk up to just injuries and it being early in the year. Those are in November. Um, 
I don't think that those can be held against you whenever we're competing for an ACC, um, a spot in ACC championship. I don't see how those would be held out against us. But um, unless you have anything else to say, I'm going to wrap up the, the basketball part. Yeah, I mean, I could go on forever. I'm not going to beat the dead horse here. It's a disappointing year. The future of Clemson basketball is honestly in the air right now, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in future podcasts, if not today. But um, it's a weird time as a Clemson basketball fan, and honestly a Clemson fan in general. Um, just kind of not a lot to, you know, look forward to right now. I guess winning the NIT, it's always nice to win stuff, but, like, again – who really cares? And I'm sure, I'm sure the players honestly have the same mentality. They're really disappointed. I mean, they were tweeting out. A few of them have spoken, and I know Brad Brown has spoken. And listen, they're disappointed. They're upset. They're just going to go out and try to win the remaining games they have. So I, I mean, that's all I could really tell them to do. I mean, our motto here at Next Gen Tiger seems to be keep on winning. So I mean, keep mm-hmm. on winning, keep on winning. I guess, but again, I. It doesn't mean much because you didn't get to the dance. You got to, you know, the semi dance. <laughs> you got halfway there, I guess. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of disagree with you a little bit here. Uh, disappointing end of the season, I'd say. Um, not getting in the tournament is disappointing. Yeah. yeah. But when, when I look at where we, where we were projected to finish, um, we did, we exceeded expectations this season. Um, and, and although it hurts not being in the tournament, um, I was not expecting us to be a three seed in the ACC tournament. I was not expecting us to beat Duke on our, you know, who was going to win the ACC. Um, not, not these are moral victories, but I mean, the, the simple fact of the matter is, we did better than we were supposed to. Uh, this team was really talented. They exceeded expectations. Uh, there's a there's a good young core that if we can bring back, I think the future does look all right uh, personally. And um, you know, it's it's things that we didn't get to the dance. We sh- I think we should have. We didn't. That's the way things happen sometimes. But all in all, I feel like the season was um, much better than expected. Uh, me and you making this podcast the first, it, you know, we we're kind of shocked that we were undefeated in ACC play at that time. You know, we, we were kind of just shocked that we were able to be in that spot. We led the ACC for a while, which was unexpected. And so um, all in all, I think we exceeded expectations and had a better season than most people thought we would. It, it hurts right now not being in the tournament, but, you know, we have the NIT I agree. I'm not much of a NIT lover by any means, but it, we're there. Might as well win it. Um, and speaking of which, the women are also there. So uh, hopefully the men's and women's can both perform well in the NIT, finish those seasons strong, even though uh, the ending wasn't what we hoped for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's ever happened before, but maybe we'll be the first school to uh, win both the women's and the men's NIT. Again, I'm not sure if that's a real stat. I feel like that's yeah. you know, something <laughs> kind of uh, probably hasn't happened. So it would be cool. I doubt it happens, but like, you know. Yeah. We're going to root for them. We're going to hope both teams win. But again, it's the NIT. Cool. You know? Yeah. That's like a moral Um, victory in my opinion. So. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And so uh, for right now, that's going to be the end of what we talk about for basketball for this season. Uh, We will give an update after the NIT tournaments play out. Um, But we're not really going to go into depth on those games. Like we said, we're not uh, too involved with the NIT. We don't like it too much. I I know the guys are, are the one seed. And so that's cool and all. We get to host a few games. But. We're not going to go too much into depth in those games. So um, for now, basketball is wrapped up, and we will give you guys an update after the NIT tournaments play out. Um, moving on, though, I'm going to try to lift our spirits after we talked about a, a disappointing end of the year for, for basketball. We can lift our spirits by talking about track and field because me and you talked last episode about how it's kind of a weird year uh, if, if, an academic, if a whole academic year goes by and there's no national championships at Clemson. Well, we don't have to worry about that this year. This year, we have a national champion in Gianno Roberts. Um, he won the men's uh, national championship in 60-meter hurdles. He ran a personal best and school record at 7.55. I've seen the video blazing fast. Uh, it amazes me how great these athletes are. Um, and then uh, just across the board, um, multiple All-Americans in uh, Therese Roden, who finished fourth in the 800-meter uh, with a time of 147.35, and he was a first-team All-American and got the fourth-place trophy. Uh, also, uh, another All-American, Kiara Grant, who was the first person I think we talked about uh, for track and field this season. Um, she finished eighth in the 60-meter dash with a time of 7.21, and um, she earned first-team All-American as well. Um, another person that competed for Clemson was Marie Forbes, who finished sixth place in the weight throw. Um, she was 34th in the country, 
So uh, gave the women's team four more uh, points. I'm sorry, the women's team finished the meet with four points. Um, and then the men's four by 400 meter, Wanya McCoy, Cameron Rose, Therese Roden, and Amon Thornton closed out the meet with a time of 305.20. Uh, they were the ACC record holders um, in the event, and they finished ninth at the uh, national meet to earn the title of second team All-American. Uh, the combined score of the men who placed uh, were was 15, which placed the men as the 15th team in the country. It was the team's highest point total since 2007 and its highest finish since 2008. So, um, you know, they didn't all win. We, we didn't win the men's track and field national championship, but we do have a national champion at Clemson. Um, so that's always a great thing to hear. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big track and field guy. I mean, I was on the track team in high school for about a week before I realized it wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, it's always nice to have someone go in there and win a national championship. It's always nice to just even compete. So, you know, being the 15th team in the country is a great accomplishment. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of teams in Division One, And then, you know, you have a national champion here at Clemson once again. I was kind of getting scared that we wouldn't have one <laughs> um, this year. starting to think I might be a curse for Clemson sports since <laughs> enrolling here last fall but you know we're still winning although it's not the big ticket sports wins are wins I like all sports I like to win as a person so it's always nice to see national champions on the smaller scale scale but obviously on the bigger scale as well and we'll eventually get there I'm sure or back there I should say so you know congratulations to the track and field teams both great seasons and look forward to next year and I just want to point out one more thing I personally didn't know much about this uh, Clemson's back or Clemson's track and field up until we started doing this podcast. And so um, Clemson isn't like a, an annual powerhouse. That's always making national championships. Um, John Roberts is the first Clemson man to win an indoor national title since Miller Moss won it in 2011. And he's the first tiger in general to win a national uh, title in track and field since 2015. So um, a really great accomplishment for him. But we're going to move on now. Uh, I think you have some information for us about tennis. Yes, I do. Not much going on in the tennis world here at Clemson in this past week. Um, the men's team, if I'm not mistaken, didn't even play this past week or have any matches, I should say. But upcoming, um, just to kind of give a quick preview since we won't have an episode out because of spring break for about you know another week and a half, two weeks, um, depending on how you keep track of time. Um, this Wednesday... Clemson takes on Georgia Tech at home. Then they travel to Boston College on Friday. Duke comes to town that next Friday, March 24th, followed by the Tar Heels coming to town on that Sunday, March 26th. So a lot of ACC playing here or play coming up here. Um, I know we mentioned on the last podcast, it would be nice to see Clemson step it up in ACC play, as in the men's team. Um, so, you know, a little bit to look forward to. Not much to recap on the men's. Um, the women, on the other hand, did play this week, if I am not wrong. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Sorry, I lost where I was. Um, this past week, the women played against, um, yesterday actually, against UNC. They lost 6-1. to one. Against Duke, they lost on Friday 5-2. to two. So... I mean, I'm assuming Duke and UNC are powerhouses. They're powerhouses in almost every ACC sport. UNC is number one in the country. Just yeah, that. UNC is number one in the country. There you go. Um, something I did not know. Again, I'm not a huge tennis guy. I just follow kind of Clemson. I don't know what goes on much outside of that. Thank you, Thomas. Um, coming up in terms of women's tennis, uh, the Syracuse Orange come to town on this Friday, followed by Boston College coming to town on Sunday along with Chattanooga on Sunday. So a little bit of a double header for the tennis, for the women's tennis team that next week on that Sunday, we have the UCF Knights come to town. So again, a little bit of ACC play to round up this up, like this upcoming week, um, whatever week we're in, March 13th is the day. So the week of March 13th um, against Syracuse and Boston College would be nice to win those to get I mean, we won't be anywhere near 500. We'll be three and five if we win both of those matches. And then it'll be nice just, you know, just, just again, keep on winning against teams like Chattanooga, against teams like UCF. So a little bit to look forward to in the tennis world. Not much going on on the men's side, but a little bit more action on the women's. So again, keep on winning. Um, and we got a little bit more coming up. The season 
is actually sort of coming to a close only about another month left before the ACC championships and it's kind of just the common theme with this semester and I guess the spring seasons as a whole. For sure. Um, so yeah, just start winning ACC games. We talked, we said it last week. We'll say it again. Um, gotta, gotta, gotta get ACC play going in the right direction. Um, but moving over to the golf side of things, the men's golf, we're looking to defend their title from last year at the uh, Pinehurst uh, course of the Pinehurst, the Wake Forest Invitational in Pinehurst. North Carolina. Unfortunately, they were unable to do that. They finished 12th at the Wake Forest Invitational. Um, not the best showing from them, but they were led by um, Andrew Swanson. He's kind of been the the leader of that team for us this year. Um, and then the freshman, Thomas Higgins, who was playing as an individual, finished in 30th place. So not the best showing for them. Uh, looking ahead at their schedule, um, nothing or I guess, no, this was upcoming weekend. Sorry, I don't have a calendar in front of me. This upcoming weekend is the Linger Longer Invitational in Reynolds, Georgia at the Great Waters at Lake Oconee. And then um, weekend following that, so the 26th through 27th, uh, they're at the Seahawk Intercollegiate at Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, so they have some some chances to, to get back in the win column uh, in these next two weekends and really hoping they can do that. Uh, on the women's side of things, they had a, a great showing in the Clover Cup uh, Annabelle Pancake turned in her best round of the weekend, a uh, four under 68, and she finished minus 10 to lead the Tigers to a fourth place finish in the 2023 Clover Cup. Um, she was just one shot uh, behind Angela Aurora from Tennessee, and um, she claimed the second place finish in the whole competition. And like I said, the Tigers finished in fourth. So they had a a great uh, tournament, I guess you could say. I don't, I don't know really exactly is but they had, they had a great showing at, at the clover cup um but for them uh moving forward is um we've got nothing or yeah, so, sorry again oh no no sorry then yeah nothing this weekend uh coming up but they will be hosting the clemson invitational um march 24th through uh the 26th so this upcoming week not the 13th not the week of the 13th but the week after um, while we're on spring break, uh, and then and like we talked about with uh, like we talked about with with tennis and really all the college sports outside of like baseball and softball, kind of wrapping up the spring sports. The ACC tournaments are coming up for both the men's and women's uh, towards the end of April. So really hoping they can get hot at the right time, and then you know maybe bring home another another Clemson championship for the ACC. Yes, that's always something we like to see, for sure. Um, moving on, uh, women's lacrosse. I know you have some good news there, don't you? Oh, my new favorite sport. I'm not even kidding here. Um, I'm starting to get into this women's lacrosse team, especially after this past week. Just to give a quick, quick recap. Uh, quick recap. Wow, words. But um, uh, as we expected, Clemson would kind of wipe the floor with their out of conference opponent in Campbell, winning on Wednesday here at home, 18 to seven. Then their first huge test this season, or uh, let me rephrase, most recent test, because Notre Dame was a test just a few weeks ago. Clemson upsets Duke 11-10 to 10 here in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, Duke, uh, highly ranked. I don't remember the exact number. In this poll I have here. 13. It says, yes, it says 13 right here in this poll that I had, which is, you know, for a first-year program, that's wild to beat a team like that. So very impressive by the girls, hard fought victory. And, uh, you know, I know Clemson grit is the basketball slogan, but showing a little bit of grittiness down the stretch, winning a really tough one against a really good team, huge win for the first year Tigers. Um, looking ahead here, um, a little bit more ACC play and a little bit more out of conference. So if trends continue, it would be nice to beat Boston College this week. Uh, that They are number four in the country right now. I guess the ACC truly is the power conference in women's lacrosse from what I'm understanding now. Boston College ranked number four. They come to town on Thursday. Huge matchup there. Clemson's schedule gets a little light the rest of the week going forward, though, as they take on Presbyterian and Radford. Sorry, Radford on Sunday and then Presbyterian on next Wednesday. Then finally, that week gets wrapped up on Sunday, March 26th, against perennial powerhouse. And I even knew this before getting into college lacrosse, just from friends who I know who played in high school and stuff. Um, North Carolina, the Tar Heels are the best team in the country pretty much year in and year out, both women's and men's. And this team um, has been 
the number one number one team all six weeks of the women's lacrosse polls. They continue to be number one. They're undefeated at six and zero right now, and they come to town Sunday, March twenty sixth. Um, if Clemson, I mean, obviously, I'd like them to win against the number one team in the country, and as Clemson being, you know, the I mean, now twenty fourth best team, which I haven't mentioned yet. Actually, Clemson is now ranked in the top 25, obviously for the first time in program history, because the program just started. But um, for the first time in program history, the seven and two Tigers are ranked in the top 25 of the women's lacrosse polls, jumping up from 34 um, in the past week. So uh, to be able to take down number one, North Carolina would be unbelievable. Even to play that game close is a big testament to what this team could be. And I tweeted out um, yesterday or this morning, even, I don't remember exactly which, um, and maybe this is the second women's startup program that, you know, kind of hit the ground running and starts to look to win championships early. The first we saw was with softball. Maybe now lacrosse is the next great sport here in Tigertown. Yeah, I sure hope so. I, I do want to point out um, some of the less covered sports uh, like like lacrosse or softball or even uh, baseball sometimes. Uh, it's like not the AP that votes. It's not like football where there's like one consensus vote. Um, there, there's multiple different rankings. And so depending on what ranking you look at, um, we are number 24 in the IWLCA. Um, and then the US lacrosse, the USA lacrosse magazine has us at number 14. So a huge disparity there, but, you know, um, either way, uh, being ranked this early into the, the program existing is just beyond impressive. Um, these girls are, are really just shocking a lot of people, I feel like at this point in time. And uh, hopefully they can continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, again, they're dominating the out-of-conference teams. The ACC is just the powerhouse. So even being, you know, competitive in the ACC is an accomplishment. Just to look at the IWLCA rankings, um, I'm sorry, I'm not too well-versed in these organizations. I'm usually used to the AP and most of the other sports. But just counting the ACC teams there – um, within the top four, you have three of them. North Carolina is number one. Syracuse is number two. Boston College, number four. Um, a little bit of a drop then, but at number 10 is Virginia. Number 12, Notre Dame. Number 15, Duke, who was previously just 13. Um, and then to round out the ACC would be Clemson at 24. So if I counted correctly, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ACC teams all in the women's lacrosse rankings. Pretty high on those lists. Um, that's just in the top 25. The rankings go past there um, from what I understand, but that's really what matters is the top 25 as all sports are. So just being competitive in these, this ACC in your first season is just a huge accomplishment and round of applause to the women's lacrosse team. For sure. Hopefully they can continue doing what they're doing right now. Moving on over to baseball, man. We wanted a bounce back and we got it. The boys went 5-0 and oh over the week. Uh, on Tuesday, they took down ETSU. Four to one on Wednesday, beat Presbyterian five to three uh, on Friday. One of the most electric scenes I think I've ever witnessed at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. A win nine to eight over Georgia State on a walk off grand slam. Um, on Saturday, uh, they took the series win 10 to two over Georgia State and then a double header let them take the, the series sweep over Georgia State 10 to seven in the final game. We really wanted to bounce back from these guys and we got that. Uh, in crazy fashion yeah and honestly when I said last week let's win those five games let's let's go five and oh I didn't have high hopes after coming off a brutal series loss to South Carolina and a brutal loss to USC Upstate just that prior week and I, I'm impressed the, the team you know especially on that Friday night walk-off grand slam in I, I mean in in beautiful fashion I, they won that game. They persevered. They were down by a lot going into that last inning and that grand slam kind of put them over the edge. I know Georgia state's not a world beater, but a series wins a series win, especially in baseball. There's so many games and there's so many teams that you play that who cares who you beat. Obviously you got to beat good teams down the stretch, but the more games you win, the the better you are really in baseball. There's not really any, any other way to tell in baseball if you're good or not. It's not like football where you only play, you know, like 10, 12 games. It's not like basketball where you're only playing like 25, 30 games. 
you're playing, I mean, in the MLB, it's 162. College, I think it's somewhere around 50, 60, if not more. So impressive, impressive week by the Tigers. And looking ahead, the future, I mean, at least this season's future might be looking a little bright as we look into the next two weeks. Yeah, um, I just want to recap. I think the defining game of this week to me was the was the Friday game with the walk-off grand slam. I look at that game and going into the bottom of the eighth, we were down eight to two. Um, bottom of the eighth, they were able to play two runs on a on a home run from uh, Cooper Ingle. And then in the bottom of the ninth, put up five runs. Uh, Billy Amick is the one who hit the walk-off grand slam. That was an inning that um, there, were, there were two outs. He came up to bat with two outs. Uh, bottom of the ninth, bases, bases bases juiced, home run wins it. It's a situation that every baseball player dreamed of as a kid. He got to live it and not only uh, be in that situation, but was able to put a mark on, on the game with, with a huge home run. The celebration, man, was electric. It was great to see. Um, we'll get in more into depth about this baseball team in a little bit just because we have a listener question about it. But, um, yeah, upcoming – this week, uh, Tuesday game versus College of Charleston, and then ACC play gets started this weekend, a series versus Duke, um, and then next week, because like I said, we won't be, I think I forgot to mention it, but we won't be covering next week. Uh, we won't have a podcast come out next week just because of spring break. It'll be too difficult to do. Um, so next week, um, Clemson plays Winthrop on Tuesday, Kennesaw State on Wednesday, and then a series at Georgia Tech next weekend. Um, so, you know, a lot of games here that to me, seem winnable um not that they'll be easy but uh you know four games this week at home and then two more next week uh take care of business at home have a positive record over these next um these next two weeks and i think we're gonna yeah and uh, i mean it's acc play starts i know we mentioned this before you know the season kind of started um last year's tigers the 2022 tigers um kind of they started out 13, 14 and 0, somewhere in that range. I think it was 13. And um kind of just completely fizzled out once conference play started. So I mean the key to success in any college sport is conference play. Be good in it. And maybe, you know, maybe um we'll get there, get to, you know, the dance, get to the college world series in the future. Those are obviously the big goals. But just to compete in Backage's first season is a nice um Nice little starting point here as we kind of look to turn around the baseball program post Monty Lee and a big stretch of games coming up. Like I said, conference play starts um, College of Charleston. We start with on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow is Tuesday. So let's um, let's start, you know, the winning ways. Keep the win streak alive. That would extend it to six games and go into the weekend against Duke. Bats flying and, you know. Let's see what what damage this team could do. For sure. Um, but for now, we're going to move over to the softball side of things. And, man, I can't talk about this team enough. I had the privilege to watch their first game of the week this week on Wednesday uh, where they beat Mercer 18-0 to zero in five innings. Um, I, I knew this team was good. I've watched them on TV. I've seen their highlights. I've kept up with how they've been doing. Watching them live in person, I, I know it was against a, a Mercer team that's not very good. I get that. The way they handled that game, just so impressive. Um, and, and, I mean, a perfect game from Valerie Cagle. I knew she was good. Um, that she's She deserves a, a, a um, statue outside of McWhorter whenever she's done playing ball here. Um, but that was the first game of the week. Um, on Friday – Clipson took down Bryant in five innings, 10 to one. And then later on Friday, took down UNCG three to zero. On Saturday, another doubleheader against Jacksonville, where they won nine zero in five innings. And then UNCG again won six to one. Um, that puts them at 25 and one on the year, if I'm not mistaken. And they don't they don't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. I I lied earlier when I said lacrosse is my new favorite sport. Um, it's softball. Um, love them both, but this softball team, as you've already said, it's just so fun to watch. Unfortunately, my organic chemistry lab ran through the same time 
as the softball perfect game by Val Cagle the other day. So I couldn't attend with, with Thomas, which I'm very upset about because he did witness Clemson history and just history in general as, you know, first perfect game at McWhorter stadium. And I, I can't, I honestly, I know last episode I mentioned the one bad thing about this team might be that their bats tend to tend to die off once every few games, but again, it's once every few games and that's even a stretch so uh, there's really no criticism for this team. They're 25 and one. That's unheard of in baseball slash softball. And I, 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 each week when we come out with these with these podcasts with these episodes, I sit there and go, all right, they'll be you know one and zero this week, two and zero this week, three and zero. And it's really no thought in my mind that they're going to win games. It's like Clemson football of old. It's <laughs> it's every week or every game because they play more than once a week playing up to four or five times a week, really. And they're just dominating teams no matter what. And the defense is spectacular. Like I said already last week, I'm not going to repeat myself too much, but diving play after diving play after just great, just great defense. And I mean, I guess I'm a little old school when I like to see more defensive teams, especially in baseball. It's always cool to see someone make nice plays in the field. Obviously the long ball and the home run is always nice and scoring is always nice but defense is is kind of where you win in my opinion in pitching so it's always nice to see see that and I I'm not gonna sit here and talk about how good Val Cagle is because we all know she just did pitch a perfect game so it's to keep repeating that is kind of and, and not even thinking about it it's just unbelievable when Thomas told me that she pitched a perfect game I was in shock she didn't already do it that's how good she is and I, he texted me or he called me when it happened um, I actually uh, was in a little bit of a car accident right before that. So his day was going a little bit, a little bit better than mine when he called me. I thought he passed me and saw my car and was worried for me. No, he was like, Val Cagle pitched a perfect game. And my answer was, she didn't already do that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, crazy to see the expectations this team has, especially only being in year four. So round of applause for this team. And the season right now, if, if things can continue on this way, being tw- 25 and one isn't a fluke. So I, I expect things to continue on some sort of path like this. Obviously they'll drop a few more games once they start to play better competition in the ACC, but being able to just dominate teams in this fashion is really promising. And I, I, I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to look ahead to, you know, the softball world series. I, I, they lost in the super regional last year. I, I, I don't see them losing earlier than that this year I think they get all the way to I think it's Oklahoma City for softball um not Omaha so I, I think they get all the way to Oklahoma City and it's it's honestly a, an honor to watch this team and especially Val Cagle play yeah I think this season kind of Oklahoma City or bust is the way I see it um anything short of Oklahoma City would be a disappointment just because of how talented this team is um I I said last week on the podcast that if you guys had the chance to go watch this team um live to do it and now that i personally have had that opportunity i would urge you again like if you enjoy sports you don't have to like softball if you enjoy sports um you'll enjoy this atmosphere mcquarter was packed um for a, a weekday game against mercer um the, the the team was having fun the whole time we saw it was 18 to zero like i said i saw multiple backups get in the game and just the love they have for each other as a team um and just how much they support each other. I mean, they were all hugging Val Cagle right after she threw the perfect game. And she didn't even look like she was that excited. She looked like she could have done something better or something. I don't know. She She's a she's a dog for sure. She was, so, she was upset it wasn't a full game. That's what she was upset about. Yeah, yeah honestly. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, I was watching that. And I, like, I was thinking, like, I don't want to say anything. But she's got a no-no going. And I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. She's got a perfect game going. I didn't, obviously, I didn't say it out loud because, you know, that ruins it. But um, it, it was an incredible atmosphere, an incredible game. And I, I really do urge anybody that has the opportunity to go watch the, that, that team play live to do it. And you'll have multiple chances upcoming. Um, so we'll get into what they have upcoming in these next two weeks. This Wednesday, they play um, at home against Charlotte. And then this this weekend, uh, another ACC. They've already played at Syracuse in the ACC. But this week they have uh, this weekend, they have Virginia at home. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then um, no games over the weekdays next week during spring break, but they do play next uh, weekend. They have a series at Georgia Tech, so uh, they'll be traveling, you know, with some other clubs and players as that, that series goes on, but um, yeah, so over the next two two weeks, I believe I'm counting um, seven games. I, I would not be surprised if we're sitting here in two weeks talking about 32-1, and one. Um, so 
I, I, I would tune in for all these games if you have the opportunity to. I mean, this team will be disappointed if it's not 32-1. and one, So I, I guess I'll hold them to that standard. I'll be disappointed if they don't go 7-0 and in this next week or two weeks. Um, maybe not disappointed, but I, I fully expect it to happen. It's like I said, it's it's unbelievable watching a team dominate like this in any sport. Never mind, I mean, softball where dominating and winning, you know, or only losing one game is unheard of. Yeah, I'll just give a few fun facts. Uh, obviously, the one loss this year is coming to Tennessee, who's a team that's in the top 10 right now. That was a game that finished one to zero. So um, I don't have the exact number of what the point differential is, but uh, or the run differential, I should say. But I can only imagine that it's incredible. We got to think they lost one to zero. That's their one loss. And then everything else, they've uh, been dominant. And that kind of shows up in the fact that as a program, um, over 25% of their games, not just their wins, that their games have been mercy rule. Um, in softball, if you're up eight, eight runs in the fifth inning, or by, at the end of the fifth inning, then then it's ball game. And so um, over four or over 25%, over a quarter of their games have ended uh, as, as a run rule where they won uh, by eight or more runs in, in less than seven innings. So uh, a, a really impressive team, uh, a great program. And, and it, it really does amaze me uh, really every time I, I see their scores because it, it'd be easy to just look at it and say, oh, it's just another one for them. But like, I mean, I remember you take a step back and just think about it. You know, they just beat this team 18 to zero. They beat this team 10 to one. Like they're dominant. It, it's incredible. Um, and I'm definitely going to be rooting for them over these next two weeks as, as they uh, get into a few more series in the ACC. But for, for now, that'll wrap up the, the softball side of things. And so we did ask this week over on the Twitter um, if, if anybody had any listener questions. And we got two. Um, and I just want to point out, you can't, see when we're asking for listener questions if you don't follow the twitter so follow us on twitter at next gen tigers uh we're really trying to get things going over there we've got a few pretty popular followers so um if you, you know <laughs> we're going to we're going to something special here next gen tigers uh next gen athletics to the moon next gen tigers to the moon as well um but i'll start off with the first question we got this week and it comes from uh andrew alexander he asked us this week um how serious do you think the tigers take the nit and is Brownell's job 100% safe? Um, I'm going to start off by answering the first question, and I'll let you answer it as well. Uh, he, he says, how serious do you, think, do you think the Tigers take the NIT? I think they take it very seriously. Um, uh, this team has accomplished a lot this year, like I said, uh, in terms of exceeding expectations. I think to them, any game they can win is a game they like. They want to win every game. They don't want to lose any games. I think they're going into this um, trying to win some for their leaders. You know, Hunter Tyson's been the captain of this team all year. He's kind of been that vocal leader. Uh, whenever we really need a bucket or something like that, he's the guy we can count on him and P.J. Hall. And uh, Hunter Tyson doesn't have the ability to come back. This was his fifth year. And so I think they really want to win it for him. Um, I think they're going to come out fired up. Um, they're, they definitely feel slighted that they weren't in the tournament. And so I think they're going to take advantage of this opportunity to continue playing. I think they're going to go, um, you know, as hard as they can. And, and I think um, they're going to be competing as hard as they can to try to get that, that NIT championship. Yeah, I I agree with you. It honestly it, it annoys me that um a team like UNC declined their NIT invite. Listen, you aren't as good as you were supposed to be. Accept your invite, play a few more games for your seniors and have that be that. You're not good enough to play in the NIT. I know that's not Clemson, but um that's kind of where I'm gonna start out here. Clemson does not think they're good enough to play in the NIT, but to be fair, they're never on top. Um, the NIT is kind of a ceiling for them in recent years, and we'll get into that more in a bit. But um, I don't see why you wouldn't go all out. I expect them to go all out. I mean, who doesn't like to win a few more games? Who doesn't like to be the champion of something? I know it's at the NIT, but you're still the NIT champion. It's cool to say you're better than all the teams that didn't make it into, you know, the madness per se. So uh, it's I, I expect nothing less but this team to go all out and kind of to lead us into the next question. Um, Brad Brownhill could very well be coaching for a job here in the NIT, which is usually something you don't hear because you hear NIT and you're like, oh, they're, you know, the coach must not be that great, but he very well could be coaching for his future right now. Yeah, I don't think you're um, too far off in saying that. Um, a lot of Clemson fans actually want him gone, and I, I don't disagree with where they're coming from. Uh, three tournament appearances in 13 years isn't where we want to be as a program. Um, we are a better act athletic school than three tournament appearances in 13 years. 
we're, we're better than that. Um, but I, I think um, unless Graham Neff, the athletic director, has somebody perfectly lined up, I think Brownell's here for at least one more year. And I, and I kind of agree with it. Um, I, I am not a huge Brownell supporter. Like I said, I expect to be in the tournament more often than three times in 13 years. But when I look at this team that we have now, a lot of young talent, a lot of uh, potential guys that can come back, um, most notably people that will be leaving will be Brevin Galloway and Hunter Tyson. But I've seen already uh, Chase Hunter said he'll, he'll be back for another season. Him and White said he'd be back for another year. Um, I, I'm fully confident that P.J. Hall will be back for, for one more season as well, uh, along with a, a whole host of other younger Tigers, guys like uh, sophomores and, and Ben Middlebrooks and Ian Shefflin, and then um, so many talented freshmen, R.J. Godfrey, Chauncey Wiggins, uh, Dylan uh, Dylan Hunter, um, Josh Beadle, so many young guys that uh, I think they committed here for the for their coach. They committed here because Brownell brought them here. And the way I see it, you fire Brownell, you lose a host of those guys. Um, the way college basketball is, and now really every college sport, um, you're committing to a coach more so than a program is what I'm seeing a lot from the, around the country. Um, even even Clemson last year, we, we had guys like Nick Honor uh, transfer away. And so it's not uncommon to see transfers. And so I think the the best way to see this group through is to keep Brownell on staff unless something crazy happens next year, to keep this core together. This is one of the most talented young cores, I think, uh, in the ACC right now. And I, I think that he's he's kind of trending upwards in, in recruiting as well. So I think um, Brownell's a guy that, you know, disappointing season uh, because of how talented our team was and the, the fact that we missed the tournament. But I think in, in order to see uh success with this young group that we have now I think Brownell is a key factor in that yeah I have two trains of thought here if you're looking at the outside in it's very easy to say why does Brad Brownell have a job Brad Brownell um have a job (laughs) as a Clemson fan this is a tough tough um point for me to argue with um as someone you know three months ago I would have said before the season, fire Brad Brown. Um, he's underperformed. The team hasn't been good in you know however long he's been here, 13 years. They've only got three tournament wins. They, they're they a top team in the ACC and every other sport. Why can't they be in basketball? I understand that. I do. I really do. But I, I, I don't know, or I, I, I don't know who out there – Clemson could go after to replace him. I mean, I, I know I see a lot of people on Twitter and within the Clemson community um, mention Shaka Smart, who was here as an assistant many years ago. And to be honest, the Clemson job is not better than the Marquette job that he's at right now. Um, it's not better than the Texas job that he was at a few years ago. Uh, so I, I don't see that big name coming here unless you throw him all the money and you could guarantee that his players transfer with him. I, 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 I just... I don't know how good the replacements are for Brownell and, and to Thomas's point, which I thought about, you know, in the slightest degree, but honestly, not much at all. I, I personally, I don't think it's worth risk losing, you know, PJ Hall, really. I mean, I, not that the others are expendable. Um, Chase Hunter's really good. So are the young guys who I think are really good. But again, we haven't seen them really play much yet. I think really seeing PJ Hall out in his career here is kind of the X factor. I know he's only got about one year left. Um, but I, he's the centerpiece of this team. He's he's the guy who, you know, he's scoring most of your points. He, I think he's our best defender on the team, in my opinion. And he's really that glue guy, um, but he's also our star. Normally your glue guy isn't your star, but he is. Um, him along with Hunter Tyson, but we lose Tyson um, due to graduation. So right now, what my mind, what my gut is telling me is Brad Brownell, shouldn't be fired and he should stay at least one more year. I know Graham Neff said, if you don't make the tournament, you're out. Technically he made a tournament in our opinions, they were snubbed. They should be in how much more can you expect other than to be third in a conference? Um, They shouldn't be a bubble team. I I know a few bad losses really held them out, but um, again, maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt states injuries. So not, not to keep, you know, beating a dead horse and repeating myself here, but Brad, Coach Brownell, you know, should be coaching the the fight in Brownells another another year, in my opinion. And I, I'd like to see him in Little John Coliseum come the winter, because I I think he really is a good coach at the core of things. I, I know he's underperformed, and I know I might sound crazy, but I just don't know how much better 
the Tigers could hire um, that's out in the field right now. I mean, Chris Beard was a name that was thrown around for a little bit. Personally, I wouldn't want him here due, due to his character issues, but um, he just got hired to Ole Miss anyway, so who really cares at that point? I just don't see anything better out there, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know who that who that big hire would be. I don't want to settle for less at Clemson. I think uh, Brownell has a higher floor, at least. We know what the floor is with Brownell, where um, if we if we bring in some coach that makes our a lot of our guys leave, then we don't know what we're getting at that point. And I don't want to be in that situation. So I don't think he's 100% safe. Um, I obviously don't know the conversations that are going on with the AD, with the, the committees and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think that he, in my opinion, I'd like to see him back for at least one more season. If next year is abysmal, then we can let him go. But I'd like to see these younger guys, you know, get that extra year uh, of work in and they have all that, that they have the experience and we have some older leaders that I'd like to see you know, play out the rest of their career. And I think Brownell's kind of the guy that, that brought them here and they want to play out for him. So uh, to answer your question, Andrew, um, I think that the Tigers will really compete their hardest um, for the NIT. And I think that uh, Brownell's not 100% safe, but personally, uh, I think me and Mike agree we'd like to see him back for at least one more season. I wouldn't say like to see him back, but I think he will be. I think he will be back. I, I don't love them. I really don't. I just don't see the the Tigers getting anything better out there, and that's that that'll be bad on that point. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're gonna move over to uh, Williams' question on Twitter. He says, "What is the floor and ceiling of Clemson baseball up to this point in the season?" Um, I know that me and you kind of talked about our expectations for the Tiger for the Tigers going into the season, um, but now that we've seen a few more games. Uh, it should be easier to make that prediction, but it really isn't. I feel like um, it, it's totally not. I, it's I'm actually, not gonna, I'm not going to cut you off here, but I'm going to cut you off here because I want to start on this question. Um, this may be, this might sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but I don't know what this Tigers team has, what this baseball team has. I, I really can't tell through. I think they played about 14, 15 games. Um, I, I, I don't know. They are so bipolar. Um, in terms of one day, they they look like the best baseball team on the planet, um, a la Friday night. Um, then the next game, they look like they've never played baseball before, and no one on the pitching staff has ever, ever thrown a pitch in their life. I, I, I don't know what this team holds in stock. I don't know what this team is capable of. Um, if we're going based off of the coaching, Eric Backage had a success in, in at Michigan, so I, I would hold him to that standard. And that's what I would like to see. I, I don't know if this team has it in them. I, I really can't make that judgment until ACC play starts. That's going to be my uh, my little bit of uh, a solution here. Um, let me see the conference play. Let me see them play actual solid competition. I know South Carolina was solid competition, but then this past weekend, they looked like a really good baseball team. So it's it's a very up-in-the-air concept. And not to dance around your question, William, but that that's really the basis of my answer. Yeah, I agree. There's so much inconsistency and so many question marks. You know, I think about a guy like um, like Cam Canarella, who's a, who's a freshman who I thought was going to be good, but he's coming to the season uh, playing at, at an extremely high level. He's batting 446 on the year. And so you think about a, a true freshman being able to do that, and you have some experienced guys, maybe the team's doing a lot better than they are. But then I look at a guy like Caden Grice, who uh, personally I, I've seen him uh, on campus. He He's huge. It's like a lumberjack, honestly. He's he's a massive, massive dude. Um, but I look at his stats, and you know he's a little bit up from last year in batting average. But he's batting two eighty three, and he hasn't had a home run yet. And this is a guy that's like predicated on power. I feel like, and so there's just so many question marks around the team as a whole. Um, pitching is another thing that I'm just not sold on. Uh, it seems like the one consistent factor we have at this point in time is is Austin Gordon, and and you know he's he had a crazy good game against uh, South Carolina, but um, and then against Georgia State, he kind of struggled. So he's not even most consistent player in the world either. And then there's just so many guys that, um, you know, it's tough to say what this floor and ceiling is. Um, I'll say for me, looking at this team, I, I think the ceiling, if they get hot at the right time, um, would probably be a, an NCAA uh, postseason appearance. I think they can make the regionals for um, – for some regional somewhere, I don't know, as maybe a three, uh, a three seed or a four seed, and I don't see them getting out of a regional personally. Um, I think I think that's probably the ceiling that I see for this Clemson baseball team. 
Yeah, um, and kind of to go off your point, I think a lot of our season does depend on Caden Grice now. Um, if he gets things going, I think we could be that, you know, three to four seed in a regional. If he doesn't get going, I could very well see our floor being what it was last season and not even get a chance to play. So it's we're all over the board right now. Um, as people who follow this, as as students who follow Clemson baseball, we're unsure. I think if you ask people who are professionals in the field in terms of reporters and stuff, not just student students and fans like us, I think they'd honestly say the same thing. I, I, this team has no identity right now. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I don't mean it in a good way either. They're just kind of existing and playing baseball with no real, not purpose, but no real path on how this season could go. So I'm hoping things turn in the right direction instead of the wrong direction, you know, make a right instead of a left, um, left the scary, scary, you know, dark path, right with all the sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> so I, I think they can be really good. I, I, I but I, I can't, I'm not sold on it. So, I mean, we'll see here down the stretch once conference play starts. Yeah, there's so much unpredictability with this team. So, um, I guess to answer your question the best I can, William, I'll say the ceiling for this team is probably a regionals appearance. I think the floor, honestly, is, as much as I hate to say it, the floor for this team is potentially not even making the, the ACC tournament. Um, the ACC, the, the bottom two teams don't make it. And so, uh, depending on what team shows up every every series against the ACC, this is a team that I wouldn't be um, shocked, unfortunately, to not see make the tournament. I hope I'm wrong. Um, like I said, or I, I want to point out here, um, me and Mike aren't trying to be downers. We just, we've seen the highs and lows of this team so far this season, and we don't know what to expect. So we're trying to give you the full picture. And, and as crazy as it is, I think the, the floor could be not even making the ACC tournament. I think the ceiling could be making the postseason. Um, and, and so I, I guess really there's a whole wide variety of things that could possibly happen. Um, really, we got, we got to get ACC play started and, and hopefully started in, on the right foot and we can see uh, what direction this team is going to go. But yeah, I mean, believe it or not, me and Thomas are very positive, <laughs> positive fans. We always look on the, the optimistic side of things in all sports, not just baseball or whatever we're currently talking about. Um, it's We just really, really are lost with this baseball team. And I, I know this episode kind of seems like a downer because of basketball, starting off with basketball and kind of the dis not disappointment there, but the frustration there and now ending on kind of what is this baseball team, but we're optimistic for all these sports. We're always excited to watch them play, whether they're 0 and 25 or 25 and 0. So I, I mean, I'm happy to see the rest of the season continue. Don't get me wrong. And I, I unfortunately basketball season's over or almost over, I should say by our next episode, or I mean, hopefully not by our next episode, but it very well could be. So we shall see, and we'll leave it up to that. For sure. And I will say one thing, uh, or really two things. I've seen um, people recently, while we've been recording this, talking about uh, Brown Brownell has had a press conference at this point, and apparently it's really good. So I'm going to check that out at some point and see uh, what, what's going on there. I think he had some some good remarks about this team, and uh, I got really got to see that. So I don't have a full picture on, on what Brad Brownell has been saying um, as we're recording this, I haven't seen that 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 press conference. And then also, uh, we got a reply earlier today saying that it um, doesn't really matter what happens in the NIT. If Brown, if they said if Brownell and the Tigers won every game by 40, they're still a big part of the Clemson fan base that would still want them going. I think that's definitely the case. It's a fan base that expects more. Um, and so me and Mike definitely uh, are, are part of that fan base that expects more. We just don't know where that more comes from. Yeah, it's again, it's up in the air where that more might come from. But listen. I, I don't want to keep comparing things to football, but if you told me Brandon Streeter was going to get fired for Garrett Riley um, before it actually happened, I would have thought you were crazy. So, I mean, crazier things have happened here at Clemson, and it still is March. So <laughs> you never know. You never know. Maybe Clemson shakes up the basketball world. Maybe Shaka Smart does get you know persuaded here. Maybe Maybe Marquette loses early in the tournament. Maybe that's what we hope for here. And Shaka Smart says, you know what, let me go back to Clemson. So I, I know I keep mentioning the one name, but that's the number one name that I would go after. And um, But again, um, high hopes for all Tiger sports and hope for the best. Yeah, no doubt. Me and Mike are definitely optimistic and hoping for the best for these teams. Um, and like I 
failed to mention earlier and I mentioned a little bit, but um, we will not be having a podcast come out next week. Uh, March 20th, there will be no podcast coming out. Uh, that's just because of spring break. We're going to be in different places doing completely different things. It won't be easy to uh, do that. So all of our clubs and listeners, y'all be safe on spring break. Definitely keep up with the sports. We'll be keeping up with it on, on our Twitter, which I mentioned earlier. You can follow us at Next Gen Tigers. You will not miss uh, much, if anything, over there of what's going on in the sports world for, for Clemson. And so definitely give us a follow over there. We're trying to do big things in that community. Uh, also, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, there's a page called Next Gen Tigers, and there's a group called Next Gen Tigers Club. So if you guys want to get involved and um, have uh, some discussions with other Clemson fans, uh, some discussions with with listeners of this podcast uh, definitely go hit up the twitter and the facebook but i think that's going to do it for this episode uh, i am your host thomas woods joined by my co-host mike smelly um me and mike are definitely optimistic like i said um but i think for this episode it's going to be it's going to be it um from death valley to your ears go tigers go tigers <laughs>